everybody, and welcome back to another episode, episode four of the Deconstruction of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I have with me, as always, Brett. Hey. Today's movie is Thor, the 2011 film directed by Kenneth Branagh, of all people. Branagh, is that how you say his last name? I always pronounce it like more Brant, like Branna. Branna? Branna, okay. but I don't know. It's, it's, we shouldn't look it up. We no. should just keep we'll it a run mystery. With it. That's right. In fact, we should say it differently throughout <laughs> the entire episode. I agree. Not that we'll probably mention him all that much, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple things, but yeah, he's it's not a whole lot. So, since it's being Thor, we found the Hammer of Thor cocktail. And I'm actually kind of excited. There is, there's going to be one when we get to Ragnarok. That's called Thor on the Ragnaroks. Oh, And it looks yes. really good. So that'll be a good one. But this Hyped. one... It's basically a vodka cranberry, but you put a little bit of Milwaukee's best ice lager in it, which you said was a dollar oh eight. Yeah, you know, it's for a pint. So you know, it's fine. Right. It's yeah. you know. How did you describe it a second ago? It's like the optimal version of a lager for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not a big I'm not beer a beer guy. Right? No, no, yeah. I don't like beer like at all. But this so this is it's about thirds in terms of what it's supposed to be there's actually a little less cranberry in our version yeah we'll probably add so i added that last yeah. but no it's it's not bad it's not bad i can see it being kind of a it fits the rainbow bridge yeah plus like bad boy gonna beat him up <laughs> vibe that thor often puts off yes no i agree with that totally man nice so as <laughs> I forgot to take our picture, so I snapped that while you were giving us a little spiel, and we'll put that up on the Twitter. Speaking of which, I don't think I've actually mentioned this on the pod. Feel free to follow us. Uh, we are on Twitter at DTMCU, and I believe that's it. I don't think it's pod. But if you do want to reach out to us via email, it's DTMCUPOD at gmail.com. And then you can follow a Brett at it's B uh, B R Eitzen. So I we just I like to say call it Brightson. There you go. It might, it's been my gamer tag since when I was a wee lad. There you go. Yeah, you can find me almost anywhere on that. Although I pretty much only post on Twitter. So there you go. It's the only place worth following me <laughs> for now. And on Twitter, I'm T Landreth Perk. Um, same thing. You can kind of find me there anywhere. I'm actually a little bit more. Uh, with the film stuff, I'm on Twitter, and then with the music stuff, I'm more on Instagram. So if you uh, want to see some of that, go over there and check that out. Anyway, so I have some world events for you since we are changing years yet again. That's right. And when I just keep thinking to myself, eventually we're going to get to the point where it's like, you know, we're going to get to 2019, and it'll be the year <laughs> that first time, and then there's four more properties to get through before we change years again. Right. It's kind of weird being in this once every couple years mode kind of thing. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think this this year, well, I guess we had 2000 and uh, Iron Man, 2008. Eight? Eight. Yeah, 2008 yeah. and Incredible Hulk, and then this year we have this one in Captain America. Mm -hmm. But yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that picks up. Yeah, for with, sure. With how many movies we get annually. Yes. So, I don't have a whole lot. There's not a whole lot that happened. This is the year 2011. There's not a whole lot that happened that, like, was very world... Like, we've talked about some pretty serious things, I think. Yeah. Just in terms of, you know, the conflict in the Middle East. We talked about uh, iPhones coming out and the iPad... Like, the way Apple has moved through... Right. And which, if you look at it, I mean, app, anytime you watch a movie now, Apple is the go-to technological device. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to bring up. But I just have a few things here. The Arab Spring protests. Do you know anything about that? I remember it. I couldn't tell you exactly. So it's basically in, in the Middle East, a bunch of uh, the citizens rose up a, yeah. against the government. In Tahir Square in Cairo. Mm -hmm. And yep. I'm not... Okay, so it, that Fe must have been the Muslim Brotherhood took... Control February in Cairo. 2011. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, but the bit the reason I included that was because many believed that social media and seeing how the rest of the world operates was a reason those those protests yeah. happened. Yeah. So that's kind of the first. I I think that's one of the first big global events that we have where social media is the leading or at least the the catalyst it's, for it's this real. Yeah, catalyst is a good word. It's the real it's a real catalyst for hey, what is happening in other places? Right. Up until then, it did feel like 
social media was this, I'm going to share what I am eating today. Right. I remember, yeah. I remember that. You yeah. know, like, I'm at the football game. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, there are these thousands of people, yeah. you know, dealing with this. Dealing with tyranny and, yeah. and uh, yeah. oppression. And you know, it's funny as a little aside, I, uh, I remember the first time I was introduced to Facebook, I was at a camp. Oh. And this girl that, you know, you think is cute or whatever. Of course. And, yeah. She asked if I had a Facebook. And I said, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and so she said, well, here's my name on there. You should go home and make one and then add me. I was like, oh, oh okay, cool. Oh. So me thinking, like, I don't know what this is. And this was like 2007 or six, maybe. I don't even remember. But I was thinking that it was just like a, uh, it was like the things you would put on your desk and it had all the contact information. A Rolodex? Yes. Is that what it was uh-huh. called? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like a digital Rolodex. Oh, of my like, gosh. You would just like see a picture of this person and then their contact info and that was it. But You're making me feel old right little now. Little did I, I just, know. I just want you to know that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm finding that that's really easy to do. We, we don't. I like... I like I look at you and I'm like, oh, he's not that much younger than me. And then, I, yeah, no, he is. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no. I, I, you're the oldest on What the Fanboy, right? I am. And I'm and the they, oldest and on... And they constantly make fun of me. Yeah. No, they make fun of me for it. I mean, I am the oldest on Movie Moron. Luckily, I don't get made fun of for my age very often. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Another big thing that happened was Occupy Wall Street was happening at this time, too. Which right. was... And I remember that pretty vividly. Yep. That was, especially the younger generation, a lot of young adults going and, and, I mean, literally occupying Wall Street in a protest to highlight income inequality between the middle and the upper class. Yep. And some other news, of course, how can we forget, Osama bin Laden was killed by SEAL Team That's 6 right. in 2011. That's right. So, and then getting onto some space stuff, the June spacecraft launched a probe that was meant to study Jupiter. And the Space Shuttle Discovery made its last docking on the International Space Station before its retirement. I remember that coming back. Oh, really? I remember, yeah, I remember being like, because this is like, that was like the end of the shuttle era. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and it's like, we still, like, we don't have, like, it's just weird. I remember growing up, the shuttle was so such an iconic mm-hmm. you know, piece of technology, yeah. a mode of transport vehicle to get to space, and now... You know, it's obviously very different and, and way more privatized. That's, I'm not saying that is a good or a bad thing, but yeah. it, it's, it's just, it does feel different these days. Yeah, definitely. I'm constantly shocked by the idea that, I mean, we have more technology in this phone and, I'm yeah, holding yeah. than in the, <laughs> the first space shuttle that went to, that went to space, man. That's, that's, I still can't get over that. Can I ask Siri how to get to... <laughs> Take me to space. Take me to space. Build me a spaceship, please. <laughs> hey, Siri. Take me to space. <laughs> uh, cool. So that's some of the world events. Uh, I have some movie production notes for you as this well. This was... No, I'm... Go ahead. Okay. I'm just curious. It was... Uh, this is specifically for Thor. Okay. Do you have things that are not for Thor? Well, I just... You know, we, we kind of talk about what are movies that came out that year that it was... Right. Do you want me to do that first? Sure. Great. So I, I have the top grossing movies of 2011 here with me. Mm-hmm. So Thor came in at number eight. And yep. the next movie we'll do, Captain America, the first Avenger, came in at number 10. But the other eight movies in between there, number one was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Of number, course. Of course. Number two was Transformers Dark of the Moon. And I'll just uh-huh. go in order from here on out. The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn was number three, which is crazy. <laughs> the Hangover Part 2, Fast Five, and Cars 2, and then Thor, and then Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yep. Other, I'm just seeing now some other comic book movies that came out that year. X-Men First Class, which yep. is really, that's a good movie. I liked First Class Underrated. Underrated sure. is a good, way, a good way to say for it. For sure. Uh, King's Speech came out that year. Yep. Horrible Bosses. I can't believe you've missed the most infamous of comic book movies. Please don't say the Smurfs. No. Uh, <laughs> is it? Uh, I think I saw Green Hornet on here. Oh, it does have yeah, green the in green it. Green Hornet. There is the Green Hornet, but. Oh, the Green, green Lantern. Lantern. Ryan Reynolds's whatever that was. Whatever that was is a good way to, <laughs> good way to say it. <laughs> um, and then the other one I noticed is kind of in this superhero genre but it's not really it, i am number four 
don't know if you ever saw that movie. That that was like a memory unlocked moment just now. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't see it, but I remember that title. Yeah, I, it, it's nothing to write home about, and it's you know to be fair, it's, it's too it's, late. I'm writing home about it. <laughs> <laughs> I I watched it once and immediately you know kind of forgot, but sure, it you know it was that like that and Green Hornet were both these like hey maybe maybe it's time to really maybe the superhero genre is happening okay and let's sure. let's try something that's a little low, lower budget mm-hmm. you know green hornet had not danny mcbride uh seth rogan had seth rogan attached oh. and i am number four i don't remember who started in that but it was you know it was kind of your classic pretty boy oh sure, sure. <laughs> you know yeah but yeah it just it kind of did i feel like 2011 was the year where it felt like the superhero genre in and of itself was kind of becoming like the wheels started turning. I would agree with that. Whether or not any of these are real successes financially or critically is a whole nother discussion. But I think, I think it's safe to say the appetite was there. It was recognized by the industry and we started turning them out. And I got some fun facts for you coming up then. Yes. A couple little things about the movie stuff still. So this is, uh, I think, kind of funny. Puss in Boots came out in 2011, right. and, we and we just got the sequel. Yeah, Puss in Boots, the last w- or is it the last wish? I yeah, think? yeah, yeah, yeah. And on a more somber note, Rio came out in 2011, and I don't know if you knew this, but the blue bird that that movie focuses on is extinct <gasps> now. No, yeah, it went extinct about a year or two ago. That was really, as someone who's Fairly active zoo person. I that was really depressing to see. Look, humanity, <laughs> step it up. Right. I'm not here on this podcast to get sad and depressed, and here we are. <sighs> Damn it! <laughs> I'll find you a box of tissues here, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just gonna take another drink. Yeah, just yeah. There you go. Here, we, should we clink? Can we clink glasses? There we go. Okay. In regards to the movie proper, kind of back to Thor, you're going to love this. Sam Raimi, the director of the Spider-Man trilogy, yeah, originally envisioned this concept after he made Darkman in 1990 and meeting Stan Lee. He then pitched the concept to 20th Century Fox and they didn't understand it. So they passed. <laughs> could, could you imagine him getting a Thor movie in like the early 90s? Mm, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what an interesting, it just feels like CGI wasn't quite quite there there for that, for that scope. I, so I can see how an executive would be like, that's a hard sell, Mm -hmm. but Raimi, I mean, he did finally this last year, take, take a step into the MCU proper. He did. And thank goodness, man. uh, Another movie full of visual effects that he clearly, he, he understands, he can wrap his head around what he wants to see. Yes, yeah. So I, I can definitely that. see this being a, an interesting Raimi movie. Yeah. Yeah, I like you said, we'll kind of talk about when we get there, but I, I'm glad with what happened in No Way Home, it was kind of almost like a thank you mm. to give him the reins to that property that we'll talk about in a year. Um <laughs> So this is also, this is kind of cool. So I'm reading this book right now called The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies by a a guy who's, he's a film historian. His name is Ben Fritz. So it's about Sony's fall, basically, at least so far in the book. That's what it's about. And the franchisation Mm -hmm. of movies and its departure from actor-led properties into more more source material stories Mm -hmm. and things like that. Sony really struggled in like the late 2000s to to stay afloat financially yeah because they didn't have access to any of these properties they didn't have x-men they didn't have um, they wouldn't have they had, had a couple they would have had they had spider-man spider-man though. yeah and maybe one of oh because fox had x-men fox had x-men yeah but they they definitely had spider-man yeah anyway so they they and that's kind of amy pascal was the kind of a creative lead at that time and she really was was focused in on movies need to be you know actor driven character driven not these event i mean they made event movies but that wasn't their shtick but i found out through doing this sony actually held the film rights to thor oh. around in 2004 and then sold them off to Paramount a couple years later. Wow. So they, I mean, they could have 
they could have gotten in on this. I mean, because we've seen Paramount and Universal both yep. doing uh, putting out these movies. And so that reading that, that was just kind of a cool connection from what I was reading and then seeing this, that they had a chance and missed it. Mar- so Marvel is starting to kind of make the machine happen. They're, they're, they're putting it together. It's a little toaster right now, but eventually yeah. it'll become a full working car. <laughs> so Marvel... Actually, during Iron Man 2's release, they made a statement that Thor was going to be released after, and this is a quote, having an introduction in Iron Man 2. Mm. So the whole Hammer thing, Southwest, New Mexico, that was planned. That was all. I mean, not that it wouldn't have been a journal, but like I think that shows a a grander scope of things. As well as Samuel L. Jackson had to be talked in to reprising his role as Nick Fury, and the only reason he, at least what I read, the only reason he said yes was because he signed an unprecedented nine-picture deal with the Marvel Studios. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, and along with that, this was there was another deal that happened in 2008 where Mar- the Marvel Studios, I keep wanting to say the MCU, they're not that yet, <laughs> where Marvel Studios uh, made a deal with Rally Studios in Rally, California in order to produce Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America and the Avengers. So they, I mean, they're starting to make these deals and they're planning ahead, even even now around 2010. So before we get into the movie, uh, we mentioned Kenneth Branagh. Yep. And he was a fan of Thor growing up and was apparently an avid reader of that comic series. Really? Mm-hmm. Good and, for him. Yeah, and this is a quote from an interview when he uh, about that. He said, in transferring Thor to film, he said, the combination of the primitive and the sophisticated, the ancient and the modern, I think that potentially is the exciting fusion, the exciting tension in the film. So, and he he talks a little bit about the camera work, which I want to talk about a little bit as yeah, we get sure. into it. Sure, sure. But yeah, man, so that's what I got for the, the state of the world. So, Thor, what'd you think? Oh boy. This is a movie and it's interesting because you have these I'll, I'll say heavyweights. Anthony Hopkins, obviously. Anthony he- Hopkins. Heavyweight actor. Yes. Natalie Portman, maybe not heavyweight, but certainly well known mm-hmm. and and coming off of and coming off the of Star prequels, Wars. Yeah. Like she had clout. Well, and Stellan Skarsgård, who was also I would consider heavyweight. Absolutely. But I think what I find so interesting about this movie is like the heavyweights don't pull as much as I feel like they should. Mm-hmm. And the newcomers, you know, I think Tom Hiddleston probably gets the most, Oh, like this was his like big start. And for the most of the movie, I felt like he was okay. Okay. Fairly, fairly boring, but like, thank God Thor's character is just a dumb boy because Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> He's got some real bimbo energy. I'm, I'm glad he. I'm glad he got some acting classes after this. Let me just say that. Okay. Um, okay. I I was not really impressed by much of it. I was bored. Really? Re- on rewatch, I was very bored by this. Oh, we're gonna have a discussion. We aren't are. We? I love it. I love it. And that makes our it's our fight we've been talking that about. That may for. come down more to pacing than something like acting ability but i don't know we'll see we'll see i'm curious i i found it i found it very hard especially to get through uh the second act but okay i think because okay. i think the first act has has some moment it's a whole new thing yes like this is something we've never really experienced in terms of the mcu yes right yeah um, and we're introducing this big grand place and these new characters and there's fighting and there's mm-hmm. like a lot of really cool CGI, even if it hasn't aged that well, it was really cool at the yeah. time and, and still isn't too bad. But, yeah. but then we, you know, we do the thing where we, he's got to lose his powers <laughs> and then it's just, if we had more interesting things to talk about, maybe it would have been fine, but mm-hmm. I didn't find what they had to say all that interesting. It was mostly just Nellie Portman making googly eyes at <laughs> buff boy, Chris, <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, Stellan Skarsgård being like, I'm the serious one. Yeah, this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then Loki going bound like, I'm scheming. <laughs> he do be scheming. This, he do be. He? I mean, <laughs> it is his, it is his thing. So that's right. That's, that's kind of my, uh, we'll unpack that a bit more, but what, what were right. your thoughts? So I will agree with you. I think the first act in this is really solid. I think it's, I think it's fast paced. I think it's. 
really... I th and I think that it might even trick you a little bit into... Look how exciting this world is and, and this new thing. And you haven't seen this before. But before we get into that, you reminded me yet again. Even mm -hmm. even when I made a statement about it before we recorded. Characters! Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> new characters. We get Chris Hemsworth as Thor Odin's son. Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. Tom Hiddleston as Lokely. Yeah, and Anthony Hopkins, who threw me for a freaking loop, man. Oh, yeah. I saw it and I was like, what in the Anthony Hopkins <laughs> is he doing here? <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård is Eric Selvig, Kat Denning, so we won't see a whole lot of, but she does play some pretty prominent roles later as Darcy Lewis. Yep. Clark Gregg is back as Phil Coulson. He is in this way more than I He's really remember. the only returning character. Because I think, has he been in all of them so far? Uh, he wasn't in Hulk, I don't think. No, he was not in Hulk. Yeah. He wasn't in Hulk, but, but he has been in both of the Iron Man movies yes. and now in, in Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall, another, what are you doing here? Right. Kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and then we get the four, his, like, his, like, uh, oh, little friend Sif and Franville. Yeah. And... and they, they kind of, I mean, they play, they play varying roles in the coming movies. They, they're really side characters. And uh, at least that one is recast. Yeah, I think Sif gets recast, maybe. No, it's not Sif. It's not Sif? It's not Sif, oh, well, no. I'm excited to see who that is then. <laughs> it's an, it's someone who plays a superhero in the DC universe. <sighs> Spicy. I love it. Okay, so her name is... R-E-N-E. -E. Is that Renee or Ren? I think it's Renee. Renee Russo. Mm -hmm. And I didn't check to see if she has a connection to the Russo brothers. But she plays Frigga, Odin's wife. Yeah, so the, I think those are all the... And then, of course, in, in the end credits, we get a Nick Fury cameo. You know what we missed last time, actually? <gasps> we missed the Stan Lee. We missed the Stan, Stan Lee, Lee cameo. cameo. Yeah, where he's... Cause, and you know why we missed it? Because I wholly thought in a that miss. it was... I. Holy thought it was Larry David. Yeah. A million yeah. percent. I had no idea it was Stan Lee. They I did, was like, oh, Larry David's here. They did the makeup right. too well. <laughs> yes. He looks too much like him. Yes. So with, with that, I think that one was fine. It, it was, it's, yeah. I mean, and it kind of plays off the first Iron Man of, oh, he he's somebody else. Yeah. He just got misinterpreted or whatever. Right. But then in this one, he, what do you think about oh, pick, this, pick this up driver great. number three? I love it. I love it. It's just, <laughs> did it work? It was, it's a great one line. It, it you know, it, it hinges on, you know, an important piece of lore with Milner and mm -hmm. it's really, it's really pretty. It's, it's a fun little moment. Yeah. And I, I feel like, we kind of talked about Hulk. The stuff where he gets to interact with, and like we said last time, the, whether he made it or Jack Kirby made it, who knows? Like, we could spend a whole oh. podcast talking about that. Yeah. I'm finding that the stuff where he is directly involved with what he's created or helped create in the past tends to have more weight to it. Yeah. Which I think is, is overall good. Okay, so sorry. That was a big that was a big side quest we went on just then. Um, <laughs> I agree with you on the second act. I think that it's slow, but I don't know how it could be better. I really like this whole idea. I don't, I mean, the stuff on earth is fairly, like you said, it's a lot of Natalie Portman make, making googly eyes. And it's a lot of just, there's slow buildup. I mean, we finally get to an action sequence where he goes to get the hammer, but mm -hmm. the Loki stuff in Asgard, I really enjoyed in terms of his final goal. Yeah. I liked the the buildup. And like I said, I, I, I'll agree with you. I think the second act is slow. I don't know how I can make it better. I think it, there's a... I don't I and I'm not gonna sit here and try and fix the fix the problem, but but what I'll say is this I think even already in this movie mm -hmm. we're we're making Loki more of a prominent role than just a villain. Sure. He is a very complicated character, and I really enjoy what they do with him. Mm -hmm. I think it's just weird that we see so much of his stuff from our perspective, and we don't get Thor's perspective on it because he's trapped on Earth. Yeah. Now, we get the four friends. Mm -hmm. They're kind of our vehicle through to, to see these actions through. And they're, they're the ones who are like, okay, no, well, we got to go to Heimdall and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And it's almost like they're a backup. And like... 
okay, how do we get this thing? That, how do we get from point A to point B? Well, his four friends are there. Okay, yeah. let's get them in on this. And yeah. yeah. You know, I think it works for, for Loki being Loki. I don't know if that's in hindsight. I'm trying to not see it in hindsight. Yeah. Loki being, and Tom Hiddleston being the bo- kind of beloved character he becomes, mm-hmm. I think it works. Whereas his the the four friends are just kind of forgotten, <laughs> even in this movie. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, those guys, they still exist. Right. And for me, that I think that's the part that doesn't work, that we're so far removed from Thor and his story yeah. because there's just not that much there. They don't go real deep and, and they give us this other really meaty story with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with Loki and his ancestry and who he is. Yeah. And he's full of, you know, you think he's going to do this and he does that and he twists <laughs> and turns and it's like, Oh, he's making a deal with the frost giants, but no, he's actually trying to validate his place as King of Asgard. And mm-hmm. it's it, again, it's all very fascinating. It, uh, to me, it just felt like we had a little Loki movie <laughs> nestled into the second act here, which is admittedly way more interesting than the stuff in New Mexico. Right. And I, Mostly because it's in New Mexico. <laughs> I mean, sorry, like, sorry. It's, like, it's, it's like, all jokes. It's all jokes. <laughs> you see, you see that you see like a wide shot. You're like, oh, they just built this like out in the middle of the desert, right? What an well, interesting you know set. Yeah, that that <laughs> town is actually it's it's like a pretty well known Western is film it a town. Real? Yeah, and they had to remodel it for oh, this movie. <laughs> classic, right? It's it's. But at the end of the day, like I think this movie plays into some of those like Shakespearean ink like Thor is obviously a very European you know fo- Con- concept f- folklore f- legend sure you know he exists up in there and I, and and I think with the things like what's come out of specifically England and Shakespeare yeah. I think Brana being the choice of director is like okay well how can we how can we make this work we have this very it's a very Shakespearean story yeah and I think he makes sense on paper as a director for mm. that. I don't know if execution-wise I would agree, but I, I can see some of the reasoning there. Yeah. I I really enjoyed his take on this. Good. And I, there were several moments in this where I thought, you know, really early on, Thor sits down and Loki comes up from behind a pillar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that doesn't necessarily work in a movie because that implies that he was just like hiding behind it the whole time. <laughs> right. As opposed to just, you know, cause it's a, if it's a movie, he could just walk on for anywhere. Who cares? Yeah. But yeah. if it's stage play, then it makes more sense for him to come off in, from the distance and be like, Oh, I was just coming up from gathering grapes or whatever. Yep. And so there's a few parts like that that I really enjoy. And unfortunately, most of them take place in Asgard, but I, there's a really, I mean, and I think the scene is supposed to be funny, but I, and probably reading too much into it. When Thor drinks the coffee, soda, something, mm-hmm. he drinks something, and he smashes the cup on the on the ground, and he right. goes, another, you know? And I think that scene is, is ultimately supposed to be humorous, but that scene in itself, I think is a really good summary of the entire movie. Mm. It's Thor set in his ways, and yeah. he's like, this is a sign of respect. It means I liked it. It right. means that I want another one. And it's Natalie Portman scolding him and being like, you're an idiot. You're like, that's not what people do. It's, you know, you need to be polite and you, and you just need to tell somebody that you want to. That's this whole movie. Yeah. Is Thor being brash and, and taking it as a, and like doing it in his mind as a sign of respect. And then ultimately coming up as a, as failing in yeah. that. Yeah. So that's like I said, I, I think we couldn't have got those subtleties and those kind of nuanced moments whether that was the intention or not, mm. I think if it was any other director, maybe not any other, but if it was some other Joe Schmo director, yeah. we wouldn't have gotten that across. Right. No, and it certainly, I think, feels unique from especially the Iron Man films and, yes. and what we've gotten. This is still part of that era where each of the movies feels distinct. Right. Most people probably would not know that this was Kenneth Branagh <laughs> directing it. I the, certainly didn't. At the same time, I think you would be like, oh, well, it, it wasn't Favreau. It wasn't Wheaton. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. have enough quips to be a Wheaton <laughs> yeah. thing. And it's right. it's got a little bit too much of a serious tone. It doesn't have the, maybe the action of a Favreau. But, no, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be hard on it just because that's 
my position. Good, good. No, please. <laughs> but, yeah. but I will also say that I think that it was an interesting take, and it's Thor in particular is a character who um, his movies ha- are all over the place. Yes. And while I have varying opinions on all of them, mm-hmm. this one at least feels consistent to me. Yeah. And I feel like it fits... They all fit decently within the world of the MCU, but at the time, looking back even, it was like, okay, well, this is a little different, but yeah. it, but it still it still works. Right. Yeah. So We talked last time about if it was too early to establish Black Widow as a character in the MCU and, and, her, and her role in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. I would have rather seen a introduction to her character like how we get the introduction to Hawkeye in this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, a and, much more minor role. Yes, and not even like a role in general like it he's just he's just the sniper on top of the yeah and the only reason you know he's hawkeye is because he grabs the, <laughs> the bow, bow and arrow instead of but he goes for that he goes for that he holds the rifle, sniper man and yeah, it's like he's, okay yeah. Bow. <laughs> yeah and it's like oh i recognize that actor he's not a nobody must be important <laughs> right exactly i mean jeremy renner wasn't huge at the time no. but he also wasn't a bit actor that yeah, would be on a hundred TV shows and. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't mean to super change subject from no, from what we were talking about before. But along with the Shakespearean theme, I really dig that in this movie, and I think it, we kind they get away from this pretty quick. There's this really big conversation. They talk about it two or three times where they say science and magic are the same, yeah. basically. Yeah. And Asgard, as it's presented in this movie, because the last time I remember seeing Asgard was in Love and... Uh, not Love and Thunder, because it's destroyed. And, <laughs> Ragnarok. In Ragnarok, yeah. 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 And it, it... I remember it's just like this lush green everything's gold mm. but this one has like floating cities and or not like floating buildings yeah and lights and the architecture is these kind of strange spacey designs and even the bifrost little needle building all of that looks like it's just a really advanced scientific thing. Yeah. But then I mean, you know, you get stuff like Odin whispers to the hammer yeah. and then it it <laughs> inscribes itself, that kind of thing. And so I dug that. I mm-hmm. like that we get a, a little bit more of this is all just science and you just don't understand it. And I think and I think I appre- appreciate the fact that they didn't hammer us over the head. With like, no pun intended. here's how, <laughs> or, you know, like go try and dive too deep. They mention it mm-hmm. a couple times and they're not, they're not worried about us being like nitpicking, you know, in, in end game, they do the whole time travel thing yes, where yeah. they have to like explain what, how yeah. time travel, which it's time travel. So like you have to explain <laughs> it to a certain degree. But I, I think I appreciated how simple they kept yeah. this kind of discussion. The music in this was a great change from Iron Man 2, I thought. Yeah. Who did it? Patrick Doyle. Patrick Doyle. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I Boy, this is going to probably put me in some kind of nerd jail. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I was listening to this soundtrack throughout. the, the I watched this last night. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was like, man, this movie sounds a lot like the movie Aragon. Oh no! <laughs> and the fact that it was like, un- like how it, 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 I mean, Patrick Doyle did Aragon too. No, you're correct. You are in nerd jail. And and I'm like, how how is it that movie that I That's like compared that to? I I just was like, oh no. I don't. I won't say that it knocked it down in my enjoyment. Sure. But it was a little bit like okay, like. No, Patrick Doyle is great. Um, to, yeah, and to be fair, that's that seems more his speed. I'm looking at what he's done now. Like he's done as you like it. He he looks like anytime Kenneth Branagh does something, frequent collaborator. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Much like Steven Spielberg to uh, uh, John Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Hamlet, Cinderella, Murder on, Murder on the Orient Express, Artemis Fowl. Yeah, and so I think, I mean, that seems Being like in his wheelhouse. Kind of a, kind of a to, fantasy theme. Yeah. Like, it makes sense that those two would have a kind of a similar feel yes. as well. And But what was interesting to me is uh-huh. the first, in the first act, when it's all very big and, and drummy and, and with, the, with the low sounds, it's very 
much a precursor, I feel like, to the Avengers theme, which we haven't gotten mm, yet. Right. Uh, which <clears throat> may or may not be the inspiration for this scene that we use on this podcast. Please don't <laughs> add me. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, so I I was pretty excited with his with his original score throughout the course of this. Yeah, movie. it was never a complaint. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like for me, it was just a, that was a weird connection that I made. That I thought, wow, how how dare I? How t- <laughs> right? <clears throat> but no, it is it's a it's a good soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I would agree, much different than Iron Man. Yes. and it's kind of upbeat punk rock. Yeah, vibes. Or Incredible Hulk. Which is good. And I I really dig that we already have such... I mean, between the... We have already have... How many Avengers are there? Six? Five? Six? In the, in the first movie? It's, yeah. Regardless, we already have... <laughs> we already have these three members. Iron Man, Hulk, and Thor. And they all feel so different. Yeah. And I think that's really, really good. Yep. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, kind of moving away from the plot and a little bit more into the technical side. Sure. Tilted shots. All over the place. All over the place. I don't know why we need so many Dutch angles. This is not that kind of movie. (laughs) This is not a movie where I would be like, I need to feel uneasy. Yes. All the time. Now... But that was a decision that they made. Yeah. And in the first act, I didn't mind it so much. Especially like in the, the, I really dig the opening tornado sequence. I think that tornado looks really good. Oh. I think that the, the Aurora Southern mm-hmm. thing, I think that looks really good. And I kind of dug the tilted shots then, but they get really old really quick. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, okay. I'm glad we, we're kind of the same mind on oh, that. No, definitely agree. It definitely, to me, especially in the second act, when we talk about how the movie slows down, mm-hmm. to me, it's done to, and I'm sure it's not, but it feels like it's done to build a false sense of tension. I was just about to say, is it meant to show it, like, skew our world a little bit? Because this is the first time we we have a character that's not based in science, like, on Earth. Yeah, generally, you'll see it used, especially in, like, horror films, to make you feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, typically it's like, something is wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... It's used in shots where it's like, they're sitting on the top of the roof. <laughs> right. Nothing is... Why are you trying to make me feel this way? I don't know. But it's not like there aren't points where it it's not used in an... Ex- I, guess I say acceptable manner. In like a traditional <laughs> manner. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it just, it's kind of thrown around enough that it feels weird. It's yeah. noticeable. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that was we kind of have the same mind on that. Oh, by the way, we're recording this on uh, Thor's Day. Thursday. We're recording <laughs> this. And I double-checked that to make sure that was accurate, and it was. So uh, it's, it's in the little book. Nice job. Yep, good so job, movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. You mentioned briefly earlier about the CGI. I, I think I'm in the same... It's either really good or it's really mid. Yeah. Yeah, there's these... Epic, like, wide shots of Asgard that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then they do things like uh, pretty much all of the the ice planet. Jotunheim. Jotunheim. Yeah, yeah. Like, pretty much all of Jotunheim feel, it just feels very CG. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, like, this is a set and we CG'd snow in kind of thing. And they, they did, I mean, pretty famously, they built... A lot of the like the Asgard halls Good. and stuff; those yeah. were real sets. Well, and I was thinking, you know, in Star Wars, the prequel Star Wars, one a big complaint is, you know, there are these massive halls; they're just enormous that mm-hmm. seem to lead to nowhere. But this one feels realistic. It, yeah, and they are still so. kind of massive, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for the most part, the mix works. The other, it's not, and this is not necessarily a CG complaint, but you get to. Like Heimdall and his armor feels very plasticky. Oh, really? Yeah, for okay, me. Okay. It doesn't not. It doesn't. I think coming off of like Iron Man two, mm-hmm. where that is just Chef's kiss. <laughs> t- you know, we talked about the briefcase scene yes, and that yeah, like yeah. armor up. 
Which Thor's armor up has nothing on. Like when That's he, correct. When he gets yeah. his hammer back at the end yeah. and the little... Yeah, his like, little armor scales coming back on. His armor looks okay in this. Um, yeah. His cape looks weird. I always find but his cape I so I will funny. say, I, I did like... They're consistent. Sure. In, in the opening shot, Loki, Thor, and Odin all have the same style of cape. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. I, you know, for being the first movie, a lot of times they're they're exploring some of the comics early yeah. adaptations of what did this character's costume look like. Yeah. And so I, I, I can't hate on it too much for that. I'm just, I mean, I feel like I'm impressed that that was like a real cape. And <laughs> I'm used to like Batman v Superman, where it's like CGI capes yes, everywhere. Yes, I and you know we last time we talked about when we talk about costuming, that is the result of you know a concept artists and designers and costume people and editors sometimes yep. and and the film and the director like the, the, there's so much more that goes into those costume designs than just. Oh, this one person made this decision, and that's what we're rolling with. Yeah, and so see, I love the design of Heimdall's costume, but to me, it's you know when you pull up this picture and show it to I, me, I, I, that's a, yeah. admittedly that's like a very it's a still so well, in it, motion but, it does maybe look a little better. But what's but. funny is even I mean the and, and, could you actually screenshot and send it to me and we'll, sure. we'll put it on the Twitter. Okay, I remember it. I mean, if I'm thinking about it in my head, I remember it being more elaborate or i remember there being more pieces to it yeah no you'd think so but no it's pretty simple it's like a chest plate a helmet and shoulder pads the destroyer is like the most complicated thing that they do and that's just because of the metal how it bends yes and that there that was probably the most suspicious there's some car stuff in here that's pretty suspicious looking but (laughs) but the, the destroyer especially when it's in new mexico that was probably the most off in terms of the cg to me uh, maybe one of the weaker parts, but yeah, dang, I'm gonna. Ha- I mean, I'm gonna have to look for that in Thor too. I think Heimdall makes his return in that, but the sword that he uses, that huge honking sword, <laughs> that that looks worse to me than than the armor. It does. feels like an anime sword. It does, and like, yeah. and I, I know it's supposed to be like a key or something. I love but... it and hate it, but in, in the exact for the exact same reason because it's like, oh, this is like it feels kind of goofy mm-hmm. and like it's what. We as humans, like when we think of like our, when we use our imaginations, we we give our characters these like unrealistically cool <laughs> or large things. Yeah. And like the fact that it's a key, it kind of works for me. But then yeah, like as soon as he's got to like actually use move it, it around, yeah, it's it, it's real. Specific. It's real weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like you said, I I dig the way that he he puts it into the Bifrost. I think mm-hmm. that's really that he holds the sides of of the hilt and puts it in as soon as he uses it against Loki. Oh, the ice. <laughs> <laughs> the ice is so bad sometimes. Yeah, but when he uses it against Loki and he's he's flinging it around, it I feel like we're launching into the oh, what is that? Kingdom Hearts. Oh yeah, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, you know, for it, sure. Got some Keyblade stuff going on. Yeah, I think overall the CG on, I think I think most of it. I think most of it works. Mm-hmm. I just think that there is there's some that's pretty mid, like yeah. you said. Yeah. Um, the bridge I think is really stunning. The bridge is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, they. I mean, I think I. Th- here's what I'll say. I think. They invested where it mattered. Things like the bridge, yeah. things like those wide, wide shots, shots, those establishing things. Yeah, they work really well. Yeah, um, and then the stuff where you know you've got a budget, so you have to make decisions. It's kind of dark and gloomy on Jotunheim, so yeah. you know maybe we can get away with a little. And that's fine. That's yeah. fair. You got to make those decisions as a director and a producer. So for sure, I ain't gonna hate on that. <laughs> so there's one thing we haven't talked about yet. And I, it's the last thing I have, but this is the first time uh, when Thor takes his little band of merry men <laughs> over to over to Jotunheim, and they they have that first fight. It feels not very good to me. I mean, in terms of choreography and and the way they're all moving, and I think the reason is that's the first multi-person fight we get. In the entire MCU oh, so man. far, I mean, outside of it's the first, it's the first one where you really see P- 
people. Yeah. Or or like because in 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 Iron Man two we have the final fight scene where there's like a bunch of it's but it, again but, and that's, then they're like in the air and yeah then when, and then I mean he takes them out pretty quick yeah when they get to the atrium thing yeah that's a good point no it it does it feels weird I think it's because there's there's probably a scale issue with the mm, Jotuns giants being versus, they're yeah. they're the front they're giants they're larger they they yeah. move a little differently and when I you was have like, the weird CG and you have <sighs> I don't know. Well, now when I was looking at stuff, you mentioned the the size difference. That might be a contrib- contributing factor. When I was looking things up, apparently the biggest issue they had was there was some reimagining of the frost giants mm. between production and post production, and they had to do oh, some reshoots. Yeah. So I I I wonder if that maybe has anything to do with that. That's fair. My <laughs> the funniest thing I remember happens during this. Uh, this scene it's at the very end mm-hmm. when there's the giant beast that's like trapped yes. with four friends yeah. and Loki and whatever and then Thor comes through and he flies so in in movie world <laughs> right you have these it's camera angle and point of reference is really important so you have Thor fly left to right across the screen mm-hmm. and then you have the camera turn and he goes through the the monster's mouth uh-huh. so then the camera turns it's facing the monster <laughs> so thor is flying away from you mm-hmm. at, through the and then he lands <laughs> facing <laughs> away from you <laughs> he faces away f- so he he did the full circle came back around and still landed not facing his friends <laughs> just so he could do an epic turn it's a nitpick and i don't care <laughs> i'm dying on that hill that's a dumb shot <sighs> no no you're right, you're right. Don't, don't, yeah, don't even tell you different you're right man i'm like he just he flew through he then he can't he didn't turn around just land he turned around came around them and landed back facing a yes anyways rabbit <laughs> end of that rabbit hole i apologize to anyone listening don't you apologize to them <laughs> that's what they're here for <laughs> oh no, I you know at the end of the day, I don't hate this movie. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's bad. I think to me the acting ability that should carry that second act drama yeah. isn't there. Okay, and that's and that's why it ends up where when and we'll talk about this in a minute where it ends up in my ranking. Okay, I think someone like even like Edward Norton can carry a scene. A hundred times better than Chris Hemsworth at this point in his career. Okay. Later on, you know, they he's figured out who he is as After Thor. he's done the Ghostbusters remake, <laughs> his acting is pretty good. I forgot he was in there. Oh, he's the he's the the he's yeah, a secretary. He's the dumb secretary. Oh my gosh. It's role reversal. And man. then he gets it's funny. And then he gets possessed at the end, right? And he dances on top of a roof. Oh my gosh. Well, good for he got he look, he got his paycheck. That's right. Yeah. Would I would I turn down that money? No. I'll admit it. There's no shame here. But now it you know. Where does this land for you in kind of where we're at in the MCU at this point? This is number two. What? Yeah. Whoa. Okay, we're, and we're already, we're already at, no, no, no. I talked you out of your your placement of Iron Man 2 last week. You did. Mm-hmm. You had initially had it below I did, Incredible Hulk. You moved it up. So yep. we are at the same until this. That's fascinating. Yep. Number two. I think the, and actually the only reason it's not, on the same level or even above Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably should preface. I'm a Shakespeare nut. Yeah. I really dig Shakespeare. And so that might, I mean, that's probably part of this reasoning. For sure. But it's only because we're to a point now, we kind of talked last time about Iron Man 2 being the catalyst for the world building. Yeah. There's a lot of references in this. Yep. They, they talk, they <clears throat> mentioned the Hulk. They mentioned Stark. Shield is in this. Shield. Shield is in this as bad guys again. Yeah. Which makes me really excited for Winter Soldier mm-hmm. because when you see it, the the entire premise is like, oh, Shield is the good guys and blah blah blah. But like, they're not so far, right? Like right. They kind of help out in Iron Man, <laughs> but everything else, they're like, it's bad. They're still kind of jerks, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, We're gonna help you 
find a new element, but you're going to have to do all the work on your, and we gave you a babysitter. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But Natasha, she'll do some stuff later. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then now it's like in Thor, they're like taking Natalie Portman's computers and like by the end, yeah, they're helping her set stuff back up, but that's yeah. just because we need a sequel. Exactly. But like it to be real, like would they have actually, no, no, no of course not. No, no. they would have either kept it or destroyed it. Yeah. It's, but yeah. Anyway, it is, that was their decision. Yeah. Not mine. So the one, it, it is what it is. The one thing, I guess you talked about your placement. For me, it's it's number four. I do actually. The bottom. I do, yeah. Wow. I know. I enjoy The Incredible Hulk more than this. Wow. Yeah. 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 I'm shocked. One thing I want to real quick run back to. <laughs> we completely neglected to talk about the final fight versus the Destroyer. I know that it's like. Okay. It's. Okay. It's this weird third act where they have kind of the big fight and then they got to go home and mm-hmm. then there's this whole other epilogue. Yeah. Right? It's, there's another little, it's not really a fight. I do, mean, it is. Well, it's a fight with Loki. I guess that we're maybe interpreting that differently. Where do you think the third act happens? I think the third act starts when the Destroyer comes down. Well, maybe not then. Never mind. Continue. So, so I guess I just think of it as a very small third. You're probably right in that it's, to be fair, that's maybe actually the end of the second act. And then the third act really kicks off when he well, goes well, back However up. we interpret it, I, th- I think that's the transition point. Sure. sure because sure, sure. He, he's gone through his whole second act. I have to get my hammer thing. I think that's why I think it's the, I feel like that is, that's the conclusion. It's he has made that character change. Yeah. His arc is complete at that point. And now everything we're getting post destruction of the destroyer, Mm -hmm. it's an epilogue in the fact that he has, his, his arc is complete. He has to go back and he has to kind of save the day at home. Yeah. And it's, and that's not bad stuff. I don't dislike it. But the finale, I guess, if we, if we call, we'll just call this the finale where we're back on Asgard. Odin wakes up, Thor and Loki have their little fight and they have to destroy the portal. Yes. The rainbow bridge pointy thing mm-hmm. yes <laughs> i don't yeah. know what yeah, the space needle <laughs> the space needle yeah there you go the space needle they destroy he destroys and then loki let's go i don't dislike that i think it's i think it's good it, it just for me i think it feels tacked on it's a little bit like probably how a lot of people feel about the end of the last jedi okay. this the all yeah. the stuff on crate i the characters are at this point are all in there have all completed their arcs except for luke yeah who who does his thing yeah and in this, it just it, there's not a character who kind of goes through their arc at the end. They're already in their places. Loki kind of does that weird thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm actually just doing this to get your approval, Father." Mm-hmm. And I, like, you never know because it's Loki whether you should trust that or not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and as a quick aside to that, that's I dig that so much. Yeah. I I think that is such good story. That you find out the entire reason Loki got, I mean, was is indirect in getting Thor banished. The reason that he goes to Jotunheim. The reason that Odin goes into the Odin sleep. All of that leads up to, he believes Thor has favor with Odin. Mm-hmm. And he thinks in his own deluded mind that the reason is, is because Thor wants to destroy Jotunheim. So yeah. the reason he stops that in the beginning, period, yeah. is because he wants to take the glory for it and get on Odin's good side. Yeah, That is so incredible to me. It's it's way deeper of a villain than we've got yeah, thus far exactly. in the... We, it's, it's, our, it's our first three-dimensional villain. And it's not a copycat. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Man, you may be talking me uh, to bump this up. I don't know. Good. I don't know. <laughs> it, uh, I'm reversal I, this week. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I just, I, th- yeah, and the first act is pretty strong. Oh, you're, oh, oh no. man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I said, what you told me last time. That's not my goal. I'm just talking. <laughs> no, no. No, I, you know what? I'll do it. I'll bump it up to number three. I'll bump it up above. The Incredible Hulk. I think you're right. I think especially, you know, we talk a little bit about not looking too far forward. Mm-hmm. But this does, this really does a good job of setting up Loki to be a way more interesting villain in Avengers. A way more interesting character going, you know, further than that. 
And so I'll I'll, I'll move it up if okay. if not for anything else but the Loki stuff. <laughs> I think it does. This movie should have been called Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, you know uh, Thor and Loki. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Okay. I'm, there you go. Okay. Great. We're, we're we're one for one on convincing yeah. the other. Person. Yeah. <laughs> what about how does it stack up about uh, with other releases that year in 2011? We talked about how it performed. Mm-hmm. You know, eighth in the box office. Right. Um. It did beat out Captain America: The First Avenger by two um, spaces. By two, two spaces, yeah. but but a decent amount of money. Yeah. I don't know. It 2011 was was a bigger year than I remember it being. Yeah. I didn't love pirates uh-huh deathly hollows was obviously great i mean in terms of it being a finale uh-huh. are you are you a horror guy yeah i like horror cabin in the woods that's came out right this year. also yeah. uh, also starring chris hemsworth really yeah oh not starring i mean he's a he's he, in it he dies like first oh he does for a yeah, second yeah. <laughs> yeah doesn't he drive i think he drives the car into the wall i don't remember it's been so <laughs> he tries long. to jump the car or something <laughs> and it just I'm pretty sure that's how he goes out. I think in terms of superhero... Oh, Drive came out. I gotta mention that for, yeah. for uh, the movie Warren guys. Drive came out this year. <laughs> oh, and the artist did too. It yeah. was a banger year for movies. It was. Now, I, I will say, I didn't. a lot of the movies on this list that I'm looking at, I didn't see until... After the Years fact. later. Yeah, so... Uh, what I would have seen, like, I would have seen X-Men. I would have seen the remake of Footloose. I think in the year it came out, it would have been a highlight for me. Sure. I would have I would have thought it was well done or that it was it was good. And I think it is good. But looking back with hindsight, I think it's still good. It you know, almost like Iron Man 2. It's it's good. It's not I don't think it's in bottom of the barrel or like even sure. below average yeah but i there's just an echelon of movies man there it's, are. it's not cracking i'm i'm reading through these here. super eight super eight yeah um ghost protocol i loved mm-hmm. that was i feel like mission impossible 4 was this like research like mission impossible could be cool again yeah rise of the planet of the apes yeah the gray which People are divided on. I understand. <laughs> I'm one of those weird, demented people who love it. Yeah. So yeah, Drive. Ugh. It, yeah. I think for me, it, it falls in the in the middle there. It, you know, it's probably high middle. Warrior. Oh my god. Warrior came out that year. <laughs> I love that movie. Ah. So I yeah. For me, it kind of got lost. Um. But in in my memory, yeah. obviously, I it's. It's a Marvel movie. It's huge. I remember it. But yeah, I think for me, it, it, it falls in kind of the, oh yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah. And I then, I, then I forgot that. I never watch it. You know, I didn't watch it again for three years until I, think, I picked up the Blu-ray on a Black Friday deal. <laughs> this is maybe the third watch of this ever. Really? Yeah. I think I remember seeing it. I probably watched it a few times when I was younger. Maybe we had it on DVD or something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember, but. And then, you know, a couple years ago, I watched through all the MCU movies yeah, post yeah. game, And so I, I don't know. It's something. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, it sounds like we're probably about the same on where it lands, though, in terms, yeah. of, in terms of things that came out that year. Yep. Cool. Okay, man. Well, do you got anything else? I don't think so. Only that I'm really excited to talk about the next movie. Captain America. Captain America, yeah, the, first, the Avenger. first Avenger. Um, I am a huge Cap fan, and I have opinions on this movie. So You are? Yeah. I, I'm just going to say right now, I've been thinking about I think about it off and on when I'm when I'm listening back to these and editing. Mm-hmm. I am so excited to talk about Civil War. Yes, especially knowing now that you are a Captain America yeah. guy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Man. Civil War is is and and we won't get too into it, but I just think Civil War is a is a fascinating and really good movie to talk about superheroes. I feel like yes. it's an interesting take. And way more nuanced than something like Batman v Superman. And the marketing on it was oh, sure. incredible. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, whoever, I mean, whoever, I hope whoever was working on it at that time got raises because <laughs> they absolutely deserve those. It definitely, it comes at an inflection point for, I think, movie marketing. And we don't talk about that a lot on this podcast, mm-hmm. but... Um, as someone who's in communications, yeah, as my like day job, marketing is really important to me in how 
you present a product. Yeah. Because you don't want to misrepresent a product. At the same time, you want to drive intrigue and mm-hmm. interest. And and I think Civil War does that on a whole nother level that we that we haven't seen yet, and we probably yes. won't see even even into Avengers. Yeah. So I agree. Cool, That's man. a little tease for our Civil War episode, I guess. Yeah. And, Which we won't record for like six months, yep, but you know. Yep. I, you <laughs> know, it is. man, maybe, well, I was going to say, maybe we need to move to three a month and do these once a week, but man, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can handle that. You got time for that? <laughs> right. Cool, man. Anyway, well, thanks for listening to uh, our takes on Thor. And we will see you next time, which I believe, if I'm looking ahead, will be March. Yeah. And so we will see you for Captain America, The First Avenger. Can't wait. See you then. Yeah, so I got caught up cooking dinner. And then uh, uh, we started watching Taxi. Ah. And I'm still... uh, I'm still reeling a little bit that that's Jimmy Fallon in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pint. It's a pint. But it was a dollar eight cents for <laughs> okay. a pint. So you know, I don't know if that speaks to its quality. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wonder if it's just supposed to give a little like oomph. Because if, if there's not that, it's just a vodka cranberry. Yeah. And so. Yeah. All right. That's the that's the hammer part of the <laughs> Thor's hammer, whatever that's, it's called. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have with me, as always, Brett. Hey. You know what's funny is that you, I always shorten the time uh-huh. between it. And I'm never quite ready, so I'm going to give a different answer. Ever, like, I love I'm it. introduce, like, oh, oh, that's right, it's me. Yes. Every good. time it's going to be different. I love it, man. Keep it up. <laughs> well, 2011, if you really want to put it in perspective, uh, May 2011 is when I graduated high school. Yeah. So you would have been well into college by then, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Junior year in college. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's not so bad, though. (laughs) No, no. I guess not. (laughs) Thanks for making me feel a little better. I'm doing my best. (laughs) I mean, we have more device than this phone I'm holding than there was, or more device, more technology in this phone I'm holding. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I need to add some cranberry to this, though. Is it getting pretty strong there? Yeah. Fabulous. It's a fine, it's a fine, um, it's a, it's a, 